and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Heidi, who is living abroad in Denmark. Now, Heidi describes what it was like to grow up in California as a child to Vietnamese immigrants and how that shaped her life. Also, she talks about how studying abroad changed her life's trajectory and why she credits that to where she is now. And of course, she talks about Denmark, why it's so cool, and why it's also a cool thing and a hip thing to hang out in cemeteries. <laughs> you don't want to miss that part of the conversation, trust me. <laughs> and finally, what she believes Denmark has a store for her in the now and in the future. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Heidi, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, obviously I've been on a little bit of a hiatus because I've been trying to set this up with Heidi and finally we got to make it happen uh, today. <laughs> so I'm excited uh, to be talking to you. So let's get right to it, Heidi. Please start listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Heidi. I'm 28 years old. I moved to Denmark three years ago for... A master's degree um, and I moved from Southern California. I'm originally from Los Angeles. That's where I was born and raised. Um, but the but I had moved to San Diego where I spent about seven years of my life and am mostly like a I spend most of my time doing martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I'm an entrepreneur here now after I've graduated. Yeah, I guess that about covers the basics. All right. Sounds good. So as I'm a native New Yorker, so you are a native Californian. Is that what you call people from California? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so how would you describe? Um, yeah, yeah, first, go ahead. I was first generation there, actually. So my my mom came uh, as a refugee from Vietnam. So mm. I was the first to be born in, in um, L.A. Okay. Same on first generation as well. So take me to that. As someone nice. from the East Coast to the West Coast, what is it like growing up mm-hmm. on the West Coast, in California in particular? You know, it's very different depending on where you grow up, actually, like mm. which neighborhood you grow up or your socioeconomic status. So I would say growing up, like my childhood at least, was uh, probably not the normal West Coast California lifestyle that you, most people would imagine. I grew up, um, yeah, just a little bit outside of L.A. Uh, I mean, climate was always nice, so that is always going to be across the board pretty similar. Um and I grew up playing a lot of sports, which I think yeah, most people are quite fond of there as well. Um, but yeah, when when I did move to San Diego uh, when I was 18 for university, I think that's when I really started embracing like this California lifestyle. So I started like uh, going to the beach every day to watch the sunset. I took surfing as a extra like a, a class for credit. Mm. Um, I would go hiking every morning and. Yeah, so I think my life became a little bit maybe more like what people would imagine as the West Coast lifestyle. Nice. And so what's the part exactly that you said is not the normal part? What what would you consider that to be? Not the normal part is in, I guess I grew up in mostly an immigrant area. So I I grew up only seeing people of color, actually. Mm. So it was probably... 50% 50% Asians that I grew up around and then the, and then maybe 40% Hispanics um, and then the 10% was yeah uh, wow. maybe black and white so I didn't actually have that many white friends growing up so I was very much in my own bubble I 
I didn't even speak English till I started going to school because my parents didn't speak English. Mm. So I guess that's what I mean by it wasn't so normal as in I grew up in very much like a, uh, an Eastern culture sort of bubble and being, you know, uh, in my household, it was just, uh, yeah, the values that my, my, my mom had and, and where her family came from. Mm. I, I can relate to that as well. Yeah, I mean, growing up in New York City as well, my parents only spoke Spanish, so I grew up speaking Spanish and, mm-hmm. you know, grew up then speaking English in school and so my brothers, and that was it, but speaking Spanish to my parents. So it's kind of interesting exactly. how that happens when you're the child of immigrants and how that kind of, you know, dictates kind of who you hang around with, the language you speak, and your cultural exactly. values, stuff like that. So it's really interesting how mm-hmm. that happens on either coast of, <laughs> of the U.S. So um, mm-hmm. so you were in this kind of, you know, in this uh, cultural bubble where you see people, the, the people of color. And now when you go to San Diego, was that a stark contrast or? Oh, my God. I got a culture shock because <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't necessarily in the ghetto, but I was surrounded by it. I was close enough to it. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time yeah, and parts that people try to avoid if they want to be safe. Um, and, yeah, so for me, when I went to San Diego, I realized I was that super ghetto kid and I couldn't relate to anyone around me. And for the first time in my life, I was I started meeting people who were out of my socioeconomic status, right, and people who were came from well-educated families, people who you know, their families had been there for, for a couple generations and they had some wealth and it was just different than anything I'd ever experienced. So that really shocked me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a hard time adapting to that just because I, yeah, I think it's confusing, right? You don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. right. Um, and so you just feel like, oh, why are they so different than me or why am I different? Um, yeah. And I think in a sense, when you kind of grow up like that, you have to grow up a bit faster, right? Because it's probably similar to you. I had to translate a lot of documents and do a lot of stuff for my parents. <laughs> right. And, yes. um, and yeah, they, trying they, they times, trying you. times. <laughs> exactly. So no one told me how to go to university because they had never done it. Nobody told me, you know, what I needed to do to be accomplished in life because it had never been done. Um, so it was just like you, you end up, you know, parenting yourself a lot and navigating um, most things by yourself and trying to figure out how to operate uh, in the States, you know, where you're born and raised, but also at home, it's a completely different culture. Mm. So I think that can be kind of confusing at first if no one explains that to you. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, uh, going to San Diego was I, it completely shocked me and and I, I really didn't like it at first uh, just because. I felt ostracized and I couldn't relate to anybody. And, um, yeah, it was difficult. And, and I think that was, it was really good that I found martial arts. And I mean, I had already been training for a few years, but that's when I really started getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, and that's probably something I really liked about it too, is that like no one knew about my background in, in like when you're training, you know, and you don't know about anyone else's background. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how much money someone makes it doesn't matter what they own it doesn't matter what family they come from like the only thing that matters is how hard you work and that's how you earn respect so then mm. that in that way i just felt like the it leveled out the playing field a bit more whereas you know outside of that i just felt like i'm always trying to kind of catch up where i never had enough Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's really well said. And again, I can relate a lot to that. What you're saying is it's crazy how, you know, 
everyone, anyone that's first generation that comes from immigrant families, your, your story's going to be somewhat different, but there's going to be a lot of similarities and just this immigrant right. experience and being the child of immigrants. You know, you have to navigate these two worlds, like you're saying, the the world that is the outside, right? The the uh, the American world, the U.S. and learn, you know, English and all and all the cultural values. But then you have your cultural values at home and your language at home, and you have to that becomes mm-hmm. part of your identity, and you have to like manage that in a way, depending on where you work, depending where you live, and who your friends are. Exactly. So it's just so interesting how we we navigate these spaces uh, that we're in. So now let's talk about navigating spaces. Let's fast forward now. <laughs> At what point mm-hmm. did going to Denmark become an opportunity for you? How did that happen? So I was um, in my last year of my bachelor's degree. And I, at this point in my what life, did you study? I was a uh, I was studying kinesiology, so I was mainly focused on um, becoming a physical therapist. And, yeah, so it was my last year, and I had wanted to study abroad, but I'd ended up in, like, a pretty serious relationship and ended up being really dedicated to jiu-jitsu. So I I just realized I was approaching my last year, and I actually didn't have any friends from uni, you know, because I got so comfortable just training and in my relationship that... um, yeah, I, I, I think I just let that take over. So um, I was quite disappointed. And, and so on like a last minute whim, I just decided I'm going to apply to study abroad. I've, I've never been abroad and like I have to do this before I become a physical therapist and and then just work for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> yeah, so I found a program that would um, would cover like housing. And that was one of the only ways I was able to do it. Cause I, I, yeah, I didn't have money. Um, and I was already struggling to go to uni at first. So even the decision to study abroad for me, it was so, it felt so selfish and mm. I felt so guilty about wanting to do that. But yeah, why did you feel I, guilty? I, I mean, I felt guilty because I knew that I needed to provide for my family and that this was doing something fun for myself. Mm. So if I was going to go away and, and then I would have to delay my studies by an extra semester. Um, and I just, yeah, we didn't have the money for that. So I just felt like if I'm using another semester to study, that means I'm not another semester that I'm not making money, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I think managing that was quite difficult, but it also felt really important to me. So I ended up getting in this program and I, I, I knew that Istanbul was going to be like the exchange rate would be fine. And, and so my financial aid just kind of, or the program ended up switching like places with the person so that I would get the same amount of money as if I was living in San Diego. So I was actually able to manage that a lot better because I didn't have to pay for rent and I had the same financial aid as if I was living in California. And where did you go? So I went to Istanbul. Oh, Turkey. Turkey. Okay, got it. Yeah. So then that was my first experience abroad. And then I actually met some Danish people there. I met a lot of other friends as well. Um, but I ended up visiting them the following year. And and then I on that first visit, I just remember I fell in love with the city. And then I remember on that first visit, I was like, I want to live here. And I came back a couple months later. Um, I was actually going to Europe a lot at this time to for training and to meet friends from, from jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, so I went back I, and I checked out this, this program. And, and I think I ended up applying maybe like another year later. So luckily I got, I got accepted and it kind of just, yeah, that was uh, how everything got started. I got my visa and 
Yeah, and then I just moved in that summer after I found out. So how old were you when you, when you moved to Denmark? Um, I was 25. So this is, yeah, you're, going, you're going on three years now in Denmark? Yeah, exactly. Wow, wow. So, so would you say that this study abroad experience, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, opened your horizons as far as what is possible and like not just going abroad for a little bit of time, but going for an extensive mm -hmm. amount of time? Oh, it, it completely changed my life. So this, the experience abroad, um, I think that was the first time where I, I just started to feel like it wasn't so weird being a first generation immigrant. And I had realized like, you know, when you're taken out of your, your uh, social bubbles or your environment and you're able to see yourself a lot more clear, right? Mm. Just because you're in another environment. So things stick right. out. Um, and just meeting other people who were traveling or had different experiences and backgrounds. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it blew me away. So from that point on, actually, I started, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just remember that I was going to commit to traveling as much as I could. So I think within that year, I went to like 15 countries. I just backpacked on like a super small budget and, I mean, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but I was, I was, uh, yeah, just carrying around like a tub of peanut butter with me and <laughs> doing like, doing like 30 Euro flights. I was taking trains. I was like, I, sometimes I would like just stay out and, and stay at parks and Jesus. I would, I, I'd stay with strangers. Oh my God. I was like, I didn't care. Yeah. Like for me, I was just so amazed that I could travel, that I was grateful to right. do it to any degree. Yeah. What I call um, that, what I call that, if I was, I would call that bumming it. You did it really. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. But for me, it was, it was such a luxury. Like you have to understand right. that I come from like, yeah, a place where like, we just didn't like, that just doesn't happen. You don't, right. you don't just go travel around Europe, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't even care. Like for me, it was, it was such a luxury right. and to be able to experience the world was, you know, a gift in itself. So I'm really grateful for those years because I made so many good friends and, and so many people extended their kindness to me. And, and, um, yeah. And I think the more I traveled, the, the, the more, yeah, possibilities opened up. I was like, oh, I don't have to be a physical therapist. I can just, you know, maybe I could be an entrepreneur, like, mm. and um, maybe I can study abroad or live abroad, and, and I want to experience life outside of the U.S., and, you know, I don't have to follow, like, this exact blueprint. Right. Um, right. So it, 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 was, it was definitely scary, but I think, yeah, traveling definitely helped a lot with, like, making decisions and being being uh comfortable with the uncomfortable right, right, right. especially i traveled alone a lot mm -hmm. so when you travel alone especially as a small woman it's a <laughs> uh, i would say it's character building mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, uh yeah no you're yeah. saying a lot of great great stuff i also soul travel a lot i mean you're, you're preaching to the choir here but i just think it's so interesting how an experience like studying abroad could literally change one's trajectory. And more mm -hmm. macro, taking a risk changes one's trajectory. 
and what they view as being possible or not possible. And then exactly. also it shapes how you view your own identity. Like you mentioned being a first uh, generation uh, individual, right? Child of, child of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And how how you navigate those spaces abroad. Because they do look different, like you said, abroad versus what it looks like home. So it's, it's just so funny how and crazy how what happens like internally outside of yourself and all these things based on experiences and the and the risk that you take as a person to see the world and just learn about yourself and learn about how others live Mm -hmm. so before we even get more specifically into denmark i want to go back to this thing you mentioned about guilt so what happened to the guilt as you were doing these travels did it go away did it increase what happened to that guilt Um, that you felt you know i think it it, like it still weighed on me a lot for the first couple years and but I could see that I was making a lot of positive changes in my life and and I could see that it was positively affecting me in general so I, I think I to help with the guilt I was like well how can I be this successful person who's going to provide for my entire family uh if I'm miserable or if I can't take care of myself <laughs> right you know and and I think I just started to learn a lot about yeah, how the, like how sustainable it was, like what I was going to be doing. And um, yeah, I think the more I kind of sat with that and the, the more people I spoke with and the more I, I would uh, kind of voice these things that, you know, were in my brain and, and that I committed to, people are like, you know, that's not your job. And, and for me, it was just like, I, I never really saw another way. I was like, no, this is just how it is. Like my family came to the States. They had nothing. They gave me everything to go to school. So of course I have to repay them. Right. You know? Right. And, and yeah, I think people still say, well, it's not your responsibility. No, but you know what? There is something there that like, I, I've taken that on. I, I don't have a problem, um, carrying that with me, you know? And now mm-hmm. I think, everything that I do is like, I try and just take care of myself because I, now I can see in the long run, I do a better job at taking care of the people around me, you know, even in, in, in just, uh, yeah, smaller interactions. And I think that extends to bigger ones as well. So all the things that I want to do now, it just, it's gone better and better. The, yeah, the better that I take care of myself. Right. Right. I I mean, I just think you hit the nail on the head there. The, you can only take care of others if you take care of yourself first, right? Um, and, yeah. I, and I think, and I, I don't know about Vietnamese culture, but I'm, I'm Dominican mm-hmm. and Latino culture is family is a huge thing, mm-hmm. right? Family is, is a huge yeah. thing. And the moment that you decide to do anything that uh, gravitates away from family, it's viewed very negatively and as being mm-hmm. a selfish act, like you mentioned, right? Then you have this guilt. I also felt this guilt like you did as well when I first decided mm-hmm. to move abroad. And it weighs on you. And it like it still weighs on me. That's why I was at. I wanted to get to this guilt thing to see where we are as far as that goes. It still weighs yeah. on me, even though I'm in my third year here. It weighs a lot less because, like you said, I've realized this has been better for me both personally and professionally speaking um, to, mm-hmm. to move abroad. And thankfully, my parents are now, they're okay. Like, I'm able to help them from where I'm at, and they're also doing okay for themselves. And hopefully, your parents are also doing okay as well. Um there in california so that once you kind of have that settled then you could kind of progress right because if you feel like me leaving is is uh allowing my family to be in a worse place that is gonna i think pulls a lot of people back home right and it happens whether you know when they get older and they literally need you right physically need you a presence in the Mm -hmm. home 
And that's when things get really tricky and really tough. And Mm -hmm. not just your own family members nagging at you to come home, but just your own mind, your own soul, your own spirit. Like you said, thinking about what your parents have done for you. And you're like, damn, mm-hmm. what am I doing for them, right? So I think it's such a exactly. such a crazy thing to go through. And so I, I'm right there with you, Heidi. <laughs> oh. So now let's get into Denmark. So you mentioned how you yeah. like you go there. You're like, I need to live here. What was specifically about Denmark that drew you there? Um. Well, first, it's probably the most beautiful city I've ever seen. Honestly, what city is this? I was Copenhagen. Okay. So it was just like there's this beautiful lake that's in the the middle of the city and there's all these green spaces. They have swans around and <laughs> and then there's like a like a horse uh yeah like knights and uh, sorry what are the what are they called I always forget. Um they're basically the the people that protect the queen. I it's the military right, but right. in these like little outfits, right? Mm-hmm. On the on the horses. And then there's these castles. It's again in the middle of the city. Everyone's on a bicycle. There's children running around. It's everything is so neat the, and beautiful. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. It, <laughs> it just looked like a fairy tale. And again, I come from not like the nicest parts of LA, not the worst, but mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely seen the worst. So for me, you know, it was one like, yeah, of course, the aesthetic of it, but right. what came with that was the safety, the feeling of safety. I, I just remember I never had to look over my shoulder. People wouldn't bother me. Um, and when I say people, I mean, you know, in, in, in L.A., if you're in the wrong parts, you you get yelled at a lot. Or I just remember, like, uh, there was a couple kidnapping attempts when I was younger Jesus. near my house with, with people in vans. You know, and again, I don't even live in the worst part. Right. Um, and yeah, just a lot of really shady things happening. And I never felt that in Denmark. I just felt so safe. And yeah, I think that was the first time in my life that I truly felt that. And then I just, and, and you know, luckily I had Danish friends who, they, they provide you with a different kind of experience, right? When you're with a local. So mm-hmm. I got to know Danish culture in a different way. And I just really appreciated how progressive they were again, coming from a different background. Whereas, you know, yeah, my mom's from, from Vietnam and her thoughts are pretty old school. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's nothing I hold against her. It's just how she was raised, but you know, things I was being told when I was younger and, and, you know, less now, but I, I know it's still probably how they feel is, hey, you shouldn't be too smart. Hey, men don't like if you're too loud. Oh, don't go and train or wrestle. That's too much. Or you shouldn't lift weights or, you know, you shouldn't have too much of a too many opinions, mm. you know, things like that. Like it was it was very backwards for women, you know, like mm-hmm. the what we should be are like good little wives. And I just yeah, I think that was very much against just who I was fundamentally as a person. Um, cause I just remember hearing those things when I was young and I, I just c- couldn't understand what was so different about like me and my brothers. Cause mm. I was being told I shouldn't play a certain way, but then they could. Yeah. Anyways, like that, I think coming here and, and seeing that it was a lot more equal than even in the States. I really loved that. It felt empowering. And 
And yeah, I think there are a lot of things that drew me here. And I just love that everyone got on the, on, on the bikes and this is how they navigated the city right. and that people, you know, people were, were so dressed like effortlessly cool and it was always comfortable, but they, they look so like beautiful on the bikes. Like I was just really drawn in and, and like I said, it was, it was unlike anything I've ever seen. So it wasn't corny. They, they weren't corny in the way they dressed or acted. No, no. People here are like way too cool. Like I'm, I mean, I'm super goofy, so I definitely stick out and like, but um That's yeah great. it's it's definitely like a, a pretty quirky culture in general but i Got mean there i just loved it and, and i felt like i wanted to experience it and i i mean even now i don't think it's like my forever home or anything like right. that um but i do like living here as a young person it's really fun um and i just felt like i would get you know my opportunities would would be more like equal mm-hmm. or I'm not sure how to say it, but yeah, it just felt like a, a struggle in the States. And I just felt like I was being punished for, for being poor, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and like going to university was always a struggle and working and anything I wanted to do was a struggle because I was poor. Right. It just, there was never enough resources for me and, and people just, you know, like the system seems to dislike people like me. So I, I want to hit on a point like. you made. You made. Uh, sorry to cut you off. You because I, I was as in my head and I was gonna forget it. <laughs> um, you mentioned mm-hmm. this thing about safety, and I think it's so important to, to especially you said for a woman, right? Because um, when I decided to move to Costa Rica, I wasn't necessarily thinking about safety. That's not why I decided to move abroad, right? It wasn't because I felt personally unsafe in New York City. I just wanted a different pace, a different change of pace, right? And mm-hmm. so, but it's, it's, I think it's good for anyone listening to this. And, mm-hmm. and like here in Costa Rica, honestly, I mean, even, like I'm from New York City and I grew up in the hood and it's definitely safer mm-hmm. than uh, parts where I grew up in, but it's exactly. not in my, is not something that I think about because it's not what I worried about to begin with. So I think it's so mm-hmm. interesting, the things that you want out of going somewhere abroad, right? For some things it's like, oh, I want to go to a beautiful country or I want to, you know, uh, move on professionally for others it could be as simple as as a thing of wow i feel welcome here i feel safe here so this seems like a like a safe space for me to be and to flourish mm-hmm. as an individual so i think that's such mm-hmm. an you know for some people they think they need like an aha moment to find a place where they could be abroad where it could be as simple as do i feel safe here yeah <laughs> and absolutely. as we know and, the things that happen in yeah. the u.s you know like the the divisions and all these things and racism mm-hmm. all this stuff you could find it in places you might not have thought before. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it, exactly. So it wasn't even something I realized I was missing till I got here. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't pinpoint it at first. Um, because, you know, you, you just, if you live like that your entire life, right. how do you know anything else? Or how do you know what it's like to be without in that? That's right. you, you don't know, know what you what, don't know, like you said. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, now I've been here for three years and... Man, it is unbelievable. I can leave at the club at three in the morning, get on my bike. And, you know, I remember like, it's still for me, like it's a, it's a common thing for me to tell my friends like, Hey, I hope you get home safely. You know, because this is just what we say to each other and say, Hey, text me when you get home. Right. Like the first year I would like, I would freak out when my friends would go missing and like, where are they? And they're like, Oh, I just went home, you know? And I never realized, like, oh, people could just do that and not worry about their safety. For me, right. like, uh, like this was not a thing. Like, you, you, I don't leave my friends behind. We always let each other know where we are. 
Right. We share our locations, things like this. Um, and you have to text when you, you know, leave your Uber or get on or get off, whatever it is. Um, so being here now, like it's, it's an amazing sense of freedom, you know, to not have to worry about stuff like that. Right, right. That's, that's, I mean, that sounds, first of all, it sounds amazing. <laughs> and I hope that, you know, people listening could be like, yeah, Denmark seems like a place to be. So let's get more into Denmark because mm-hmm. I know literally nothing about Denmark. And I think okay. for those listening as well, when I think of Denmark, I just think of this bunch of European countries that are all next yeah. to each other, like Sweden, I don't know, Sweden, Finland, yeah. I don't even know. I could be completely wrong my geography right. right now. But, you know, I was like, all right, then, then there's Denmark. So what's uh, unique about Denmark? What do they, they speak Danish there? Is that what they speak? Yeah, they okay. speak Danish. So Do you speak Danish? Yeah, I speak absolutely no Danish. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's it's a, it's both a, both a blessing and a curse. But they are extremely good at English. Mm. Um, so most they start learning quite young. Uh, I think I want to say they start learning at like seven years old or something like that. So actually, most of them started learning English the same time I did. <laughs> so I mean, I joke about it all the time. I'm like, hey, English is my second language too, you know. Um, <laughs> And uh, anyways, so both a blessing and a curse because they also watch a lot of TV and, and it's not translated into Danish. So they actually know a lot of like American humor and stuff mm. like that. Um, so and Danish also just happens to be one of the most difficult languages to learn. Okay. So um, the first couple of years I, I was in an English program and I was already studying for, yeah, I, w- I was studying like food innovation health. So it was nutrition and food sciences so I didn't really want to study on top of that. And I wasn't sure if I was going to stay or not. So mm-hmm. I didn't end up committing to Danish. And yeah, luckily it hasn't affected the quality of my life because like I said, everyone speaks very good English here. Right, 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 right. And so now the uniqueness, they speak Danish. And what else is unique about, uh, I mean, talk about talk, talk to me about Copenhagen. I know the name. I know nothing mm-hmm. about Copenhagen. So what's cool about Copenhagen? Um. What's cool? So it's, probably one of the most sustainable cities in the world. Um, they do an amazing job at, uh, yeah, I think like constantly, uh, innovating, like, uh, making the place just more eco-friendly. Um, so it's really cool to, to have been living here and learning about that. Cause that wasn't really on my radar before. And now it's like, it's just, it's, uh, it's integrated into everything you do. Mm. Um, you know, all the foods, like they, they don't waste anything. And, um, even like they created this, this, uh, building, uh, this brand new building where it's, a, it's a fake ski slope. There's no snow on it, but you can, uh, but it's actually a fake ski slope. And there's the, I think it's the world's biggest or largest, uh, uh, climbing wall, like free climbing wall. Wow. And it's also, so it also operates as like, uh, it burns trash for energy. That's cool so as hell. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 awesome, and uh, they have events and stuff in it and, and stuff like that, and it's yeah. So they're and they're building like these floating little islands, and they're constantly like repurposing things. And there's lots of flea markets here, and I just really love that people, you know, I mean, I think it's it, they're able to do that because everyone here is like quite well off, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be in a pretty good place to be able to worry about the planet. Right, right. You cannot really if you if you're worried about surviving yourself, you cannot think like, hey, how do I, you know, become more sustainable? That's just right. not realistic to expect 
from someone struggling to survive. Agreed. So, <laughs> yeah, they're they're paid very fair uh, living wages here, um, and I think it recently got got voted like the the number one safest city in the world. Wow, that's um, pretty impressive. Yeah, so something that's pretty cool. I mean, I would say it's like the perfect size city. I've I, I've heard this a lot from people, and I actually really agree with it because you can get almost anywhere within 20, 30 minutes on the bike, and you're always like pretty close to water, and it has a very clean like for being in the city is like really really clean swimming water, mm-hmm. so you can just you can just be in the city and then cycle five minutes and and jump in the harbor. And people will go winter swimming, and in the summer, everyone is outside on the decks. Um, right. And there's lots of beautiful, colorful buildings here. And uh, what's, yeah, the, what's the population? Just, there's, a, there's a lot to do here. Um, shoot, what's the pot? I mean, I think it's. I want to say it's like eight hundred thousand, maybe six hundred. Okay. I'm yeah, not very good at. No, I, it's either six hundred, eight hundred. Less than a million. Like, less than a million. Okay. Less than a million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not not like a good sized city, not too big, right? Not too small. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, like yeah, it's there's lots of um, neighborhoods, so the city is like divided in this way. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really good sized city. Like you can run into people, but you you can also like get space. And like I said, there's a lot of green areas as well. So a lot of parks and cemeteries and. I just mentioned the cemeteries because people actually use them as parks here. It's, uh, <laughs> wow! It's, yeah, seriously. It's really, yeah, it's it's. I mean, one of my favorite places to hang out is a cemetery. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna put that as a, as a clip for the next. <laughs> yeah. <promote this. laughs> Man, it, I mean, listen. We go sunbathing and have picnics there. It's, oh wait! It's actually, so you like actually, buy a tombstone while you have like a little picnic? Yeah. What? And it's, it's, you know what? It's not as weird as it sounds because it's actually so beautiful here. It's not creepy like in the U.S. where it just looks like like some flat land. Like here they plant a lot of trees and flowers and it's just like, it, it looks like one beautiful big garden. But it's not viewed as like disrespectful be, though? Like to be just laying on somebody's like by somebody's tombstone, like snapping pics? You no? know, at first I thought that, but people, I mean, I think the mentality is different. It's like, well, this should be usable space. You know, and and I don't know. I think there's something really nice about that. And now it's yeah. I, I mean, I'm always cycling through because it has some of the most beautiful trees, and it's just a very peaceful area. Right, right. Um, That's I have so my interesting. Coffee there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when you by the cemetery, morning coffee by a little uh, John John Doe, John Doe, who's here yeah. resting. I have a yeah. Oh, you you can go on dates there, dude. Wait, wait, wait. How are we going to stop? Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Wait, wait, talk about, talk about. So, like, I mean, if I was dead, and I'm dead in Denmark, and, and I'm, like, in the cemetery, I don't want people all my six feet above me. Like, <laughs> really? I, I don't mean, know if I do. You know, so, you don't, like, of course, you don't, like, really sit on the tombs. Like, of course, there are some that are, like, very big. So, this... Um, there's lots of like usable like space, you know, like they have right. benches out and grass and sure you're next to a tombstone, but you don't really think about it. It's it's just <laughs> you just have to experience it. You just have to come. Sounds here. like it. We'll take, sure. you to, we'll take you to the cemetery. We'll have some coffee and 
And, uh, yeah, we, I think you'll just have a new point of view. After yeah, that. I mean, clearly Denmark's Denmark's like we need to use all the space available. Nothing's off limits. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a great. I think it's such a great idea because otherwise, right. it, like, what do we do with that space? Nothing. I, I don't know. Leave it alone. <laughs> exactly, but it's just land for nothing. Right, right, right. right. So I mean, here this people is good. can enjoy it. Right, right, right. But see, this is why I like talking to people that live there. And again, because you're. You're American like me, and here you are talking about how it's cool to be in a cemetery, which I'm sure you didn't think about that before, but now you no, <laughs> you adapt not. to this way of, uh, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, now I, like, I'm going to say to you, I'm going to Denmark to see a cemetery, and to shoot a cemetery you with should. Heidi. <laughs> you should. Hit me up when you're here. Like, we'll get some pastries, we'll have a little picnic, you're going to love it. You'll be like, you know what? This is the new spot. Like, gonna, you're gonna, you're Has gonna five go star reviews. Five star reviews. You're be like, reviews. you know what? You're only going to take people on dates from, from <laughs> now the on. Like, yo, let me tell you about this cemetery right here. Five stars, <laughs> great tombstones, granite. Is gr- you'll, be, you'll be different. You'll be different. Oh, know? my God. That is the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard in a while. And while. This is episode number 71. So I've heard a lot of shit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh man. All right. We've got we we went to a whole other direction. But okay. So Copenhagen is cool. Cemeteries. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, mean, I think it's a Scandinavian thing. But right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Cool. 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 All right. So now, one thing about me is that when I was thinking about, I had different options to go abroad. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to stick out like a sore thumb. So he, me being here mm-hmm. in Costa Rica, I'm Latino. I look. No one when they look at me, they don't think I'm not from here. So I could just blend in very easily. For you, mm-hmm. what is that like being Asian in a, what I could assume to be a predominantly mm-hmm. white country? What is that like for you, that experience? Yeah, it's very homogenous. Um, yeah, it's an interesting experience. So, I mean, I will I will say I've I have had more extreme experiences. Like, for example, in Turkey, it was a lot more extreme. People would stare at me on the daily. Mm. And like, and a lot of people would even come up and touch me and grope me or whatever it was and Jeez. and seriously just what? yell at, for, at me across the street. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I've traveled alone a lot, right? Like, a lot of times people just approach me or have screamed, you know, a lot of racist things at me from across the street. And, and said really vulgar things to me. You know, being an Asian woman walking around alone, uh, it's, yeah, apparently that is inviting for attention. So here, I will say, like, it, it's it's pretty okay. Um, you will get some experiences here and there where, you know, people have their stereotypes and and they'll place this image or, or put you in a box of what you should be. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people here do go to, like, Thailand or Vietnam to get wives and stuff. So right. that is like a more, you know, they have a certain view on how Asian women should be, right? Like you're going to be submissive and and uh, like it is easy to control. You're not going to have that many opinions. You're here to cook and clean for me. So, I mean, I have a pretty strong personality type. So I feel like I'm pretty good at repelling that or, or just, yeah, not really engaging with that now. Um, so I've had less experience like negative experiences here but it does happen um but otherwise like people here are very well educated and for the most part like well traveled because they get five weeks of travel every year or of vacation every year and they do travel with that Mm. um so for the most part my experiences are quite positive of course I stick out and I realize a lot of times I'm 
probably the only Asian person around or a lot of times the only colored person around. Right. Um, but I am also American, and I think a lot of times, uh, yeah, people see that as well because it is, you know, it's very prominent in my voice and in my in my personality. Got it, got it. Uh, yeah, I really tell that as well. I think people see, they're like, oh, you're Latino, but you're not from here. Oh, you're American, yeah. but you're Latino. Exactly. So it's like this, uh, you know, multicultural, for lack of a better term, kind mm-hmm. of identity that we bring mm-hmm. with us. And that, that little blue passport, which is very important, that we bring along with us everywhere we go. Um, yeah, and, and it's an important <laughs> identity because I've met other Americans. And I think this is when I really started to realize that my American experience was different than others because I... Yeah, I think just in speaking with other people and especially being abroad, I was like, oh, you went to a really nice school. You got good education or, oh, you were in a safe area. That's really strange. Like, I didn't have that experience growing up. Right. Um, and then even, even you know, something I've recently discovered from living here is some friends would, you know, ask like, hey, what are like American traditions that you would do, for example, for Thanksgiving? I'm like... Um, yeah, my mom would stuff the turkey with sticky rice. So, (laughs) like, to be honest with you, I'm not the best person to ask because I didn't grow up with American traditions. Mm. You know, I cannot really tell you things like that. Um, so I think that part was, like, really funny for me because a lot of friends would ask me stuff about living in the States. I'm like, oh, I don't know because... Right. I don't have American parents, actually. It's, you know, it's like as right, if I, right. if I, if I, you know, had a kid here, they would be pretty American probably until they went to school and then started integrating more. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, I'm teaching them everything. So they would probably be pretty American. Right, 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 right. And, and in Denmark, is is there like a huge expat population or what? What's up with that? Huge, huge. Yeah. And where they're from? There's a lot of foreigners here. They're, they're from all over Europe. A lot of people, I mean, it's attractive to come to school here, actually, because if you're a European uh, citizen, they pay you. Uh, so first, university is free. Mm. And then if you get a job and you work like 10 hours a week or something like that, you get extra money on top. So you get like, I think it's equivalent to the last time I, I uh, converted was like nine, 900 to 1,000 bucks a month so that that's a lot of money right on top Mm. of the money you get for work which is like a high wage so yeah a lot of people end up coming here because like okay free university and i can get like almost a thousand dollars yeah okay okay and would you say that your your social group is mostly danish people mostly foreigners what would you say it is it's probably like 60 40 to to foreigners um I would say I have yeah a lot of like expat friends because of the the program I was in was was mostly people from all over mm-hmm. and I've been able to make Danish friends but that's because I train jujitsu but otherwise it's actually quite hard to make Danish friends. Um, the thing is, they yeah it, it's like okay Americans are you know, very friendly and we invite, we have a lot of, uh, friendships. Right. Mm-hmm. And we kind of use friend as a very loose term, I think Right. for them, it's a bit more strict. So they won't just invite you out or they won't, uh, include you. And it, it can be very difficult if you're not, I think, extroverted or engaging, or if you don't take the first step. Um, and you have to be willing to try pretty hard and, and keep showing up because, 
most Danes already have their circle of friends and their mentality, mm. generally speaking, is that like, I don't really need new friends. <laughs> you know, I, I have lots of Danish friends who I am their only like foreign friend. Right. <laughs> and, and even then, you know, like for me to engage with them, like it's not, it, it's not the same degree. Like I have to constantly be inviting them out. Of course I do have some that, you know, now we've est- like established a deeper friendship and, and it's different, but for the most part, like I'm always the one, you know, if I want to hang out with them, I have to set it up. I have to host the dinner, host the brunch. And I don't mind doing that. It's, you know, I do enjoy it, mm-hmm. but it is quite difficult, uh, to be invited in their circles. And, and I will say it, it is in, it, it is also like not normal for them to mix their friends. So for example, their university friends won't know their work friends won't know their you know, sport friends won't know their childhood friends. Like, they kind of keep them separate. I mean, the thing is, you can't even call Danish people on the fly and be like, hey, you want to get a coffee now? They're like, sorry, what? No, I'm available six weeks from now, and I have a window between 2.15 and 3.45. Oh, my God. Heidi, like, you don't understand. I, I invite and, people, like, the day before, and, yeah. And they don't, they have, like, I can't do it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do it? It's the day before. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, I think... I actually just spent like four months in California during the uh, like the first part of this year because Denmark was in a really strict lockdown. And and just being there, I just remembered all the things that I missed. You know, I started making friends again. Everyone was talking to me. I was like, man, you know what? I'm I'm going to go back and just start doing this with my friends. I don't care. I'm going to mix them. And, you know, because once you start living in a place, you start to adapt. You know, it's not always fun to to go against the grain, like maybe at first you'll do it, but after a while it gets exhausting and right, you just, right. you know, do what everyone else is doing. Cause it's what's, it's what's normal. Mm-hmm. So I think actually since then it's been a lot better. I've, I've been, I straight up came home and I told all my friends and luckily I think, um, it was in my favor cause people were pretty willing to meet others cause of COVID mm-hmm. like post COVID, like everyone was kind of missing the interactions. So I think I, caught a really good moment because all my Danish friends were like, yes, I want to meet people. So, so (laughs) then I started just incessantly inviting everybody like, Hey, doing a barbecue tonight, come over. Hey, having a party this day, like everyone's invited. Hey, let's go to brunch today and just randomly calling and inviting like, and I would just tell them like, Hey, it's not a big deal. If you don't want to come, like Mm -hmm. just call me later, you know, for them, it's like, it's almost like an event. Like if I call you and then I have to deny you or whatever, I'm like, Oh, I literally don't care. Like, I'm just going to bother you. You can bother me too. Like, you know what? Just show up at my house. How about that? And for them, that that's, that's too much. They're like, just show up at your house. Like just show up at my house. If you're my real friend, you can just knock on my door. (laughs) So, I mean, it's slowly but surely getting there, you know? And I think a lot of them are kind of, uh, at least my friends are, are, are on board with this now, but it, it does, yeah, it takes some effort on your part. Like you need to, you need to really want this or, or, you know, like we said, like we mentioned before, be extroverted enough and comfortable enough to, to invite people and to do this. Right, right, right. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just a, just a really good point. And so you mentioned, we didn't even get to this. You mentioned you're an entrepreneur. So what do you do for a living there in Denmark? Mm-hmm. So right now I mostly pay my bills by teaching Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, Dope. And then I, I have a startup. Uh, we're making eco-conscious foods for athletes and busy people. 
So right now we're still in the stage of, uh, actually we're trying to scale up right now our production. Um, I finished all the recipes and we're acquiring kitchen space and getting all the paperwork sorted out so that we can legally start selling and things like that. Um, and so hopefully within the next couple of months we'll, yeah, be up and running, but yeah, right now we're doing a lot of the behind the scenes work. So that's the, the main thing that I work on is, uh, building this company. Oh, awesome, awesome. Unfortunately, we, we reached the, the last segment of the podcast. I could speak to mm-hmm. you for a long time. Especially about the cemetery stuff. Yeah, I think we have to talk more about that offline. Yeah, yeah, we went on a tangent. Yeah, for sure. No, 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 it's all for good. Sure. All right, so final segment of the podcast is lightning round questions. First thing that comes to mm-hmm. your mind. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Uh, favorite food in Denmark? Favorite food in Denmark? Um, rye bread. Rye bread is it like super good rye bread compared to like other rye breads. Or <laughs> it's it's so good. It's actually so good. Okay, rye bread. It's the it. it's it's the best thing that they have here. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Like Danish food in general, I don't love, but they do the rye bread very well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> rye bread and cemeteries. These are things that stay in my mind about Denmark. Thanks to you, yeah. Heidi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and buns. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, on a scale from one to ten, how cold is it in Denmark? Oof, it's probably like a seven. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, seven. Seven, okay. Uh, least favorite place in Denmark? Least favorite place? Mm, I don't really, to be honest, I yeah, nothing comes to mind. Uh, Not a place like, yo, this place is corny. I can't go here no more. <laughs> No, I don't, man, I, do, I don't really have that. Wow, it's all yeah, great. I, I don't have a, yeah. <laughs> all right, no, favorite. I, I don't have a least favorite place. Favorite place in Denmark? Cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying. No, um, no, no, I am. <laughs> well, one of them is my favorite place. Um, no, I would say it has to be uh, the harbor. All right, and final, final question. Uh, mm-hmm. You have one minute on the one minute on the clock. Not really. Is what it's just the last thing you're gonna answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is keeping you in Denmark at this point, and where do you see yourself in the future? So my company is a big one, and my cat and jujitsu, of course. Um, I had an amazing academy in San Diego that I still go home and train with as well. Um, but yeah, I think having a sport and having friends there is a huge anchor and, and a community of course, but absolutely like having a company. So it's just a great place to have a startup and to have resources. And in the future, I, I see that I'm going to be here part-time and part-time in the States. So my entire goal is to make this company big enough to where I can, you know, cross, uh, yeah, to, to have like two locations or multiple locations, but a headquarters in Europe, hopefully Copenhagen, and a headquarters in California. So that way I don't really have to choose. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Heidi. I most definitely did, especially the cemetery part. Um, and now I got to go to Denmark to hang out some cemeteries, apparently. <laughs> I'm going to hold Heidi to that uh, invitation. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, I think it, it was, um, I think the parallels to her life and my life as children to uh, immigrant uh, parents 
it's so interesting how similar yet different those stories can be and how that literally shapes our lives not only when we're growing up but even in the present tense um you know she mentioned the guilt that one feels when they when they move far from family uh, the responsibility that that weighs on on an individual and also how this you know this multicultural upbringing being you know growing up in the united states as an american but also having that cultural heritage from your parents it ebbs and flows the way uh, i think you one views their identity when it comes to that kind of um upbringing um so i think that was just so interesting to hear from like someone else <laughs> and not just me thinking about this for myself as a as a child to uh immigrant parents but um yeah and denmark sounds cool i mean just the idea of not having to think about safety really you know for her as, as a woman like she said and her unfortunate experiences elsewhere around the world i think that's that's not appreciated enough how feeling safe impacts how one what feels not only about themselves but also about their situation in life so i think that's another reason why people uh, a lot of people come to costa rica because it generally is a safe country um and yeah, and there's actually it was a recent article that came on The Guardian about why black Americans are moving to Costa Rica. And they mentioned the reasons being racism, safety, and all these things that they don't necessarily face here in Costa Rica, which I think is very interesting and in, in, uh, insi insightful read. You should check that out. Um, I'll probably put the link in the description. But yeah, um, hope you enjoy that. Next week, I know who I'm going to have on, but I'm not going to tell you. It's going to be a little bit of a departure <laughs> from the usual episodes that I have. Um, so I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a little bit different. I think it's going to be dope. So I want to keep it uh, tightly sealed for now. But yeah, there will be an episode next week, though. I'm sorry for the hiatus. Work's been busy, kicking my ass. It really has this year. Um, yeah, it's been, <laughs> so, it's been a minute, and I apologize. It, it kind of happens, but... Um, Again, I give you that good content, though, right? I give you that good content. If you think I give you good content, perfect segue. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next week. Hopefully. <laughs> this is Illumin Color Abroad. Peace.